1: number two topic number two today is going to be a recruiting topic and this is really about notre dame entering a crossroads from a a recruiting standpoint and some of this is tied into a a team standpoint and this is what it really comes down to right now marcus freeman is still a hot name on the recruiting trail we talk to kids we talk to parents all the time still to this day that just rave about marcus freeman and he's building something special and he's doing these type of things and so there's still there's still a lot of momentum from Notre Dame and and I know that some fans have looked at this recruiting class and and with a, a a more negative viewpoint at times in in ways where I don't necessarily think they should I think there's situations where the recruiting has been a lot better than it's given credit for especially on offense there's some defensive players that are underrated but there are still holes in this class and there's, there are still some question marks about whether or not this recruiting operation is good enough to truly take it to that next level. They're close, but they're not there yet. Last year's class was close, but it wasn't there yet across the board. It was the best recruiting class they've had in a while. But it wasn't a class to me that I looked at and said, they closed the gap, but it wasn't as good as it could have been with a Keon Keeley and some other players like that. It just wasn't. Then you look into this year's class and you look at, OK, they've got a chance to kind of get another guy like that. Justin Scott, Elijah Rushing, some other players that you look at, and say, hey, boy, if they can make this kind of impact. And in a lot of ways, they've built on some momentum offensively. They're building on the momentum uh, that, that that we've had because Mark Coach Freeman made good hires. And so when I look at the the crossroads that Notre Dame is entering, it's, it's really over the next year. It begins with a very short period of time that's happening right now. That's going to go a long way towards determining the success of the 24 class. And the the 24 class is interesting, and we'll get into that in a second. But it's also the long term aspect of is finishing 24 off right. But also, you're in. I mean, Notre Dame's bringing a lot of 25 kids on campus. They're shifting a lot of their focus on certain positions onto 2025, which is smart. Their 24 board right now is less than 10 guys at this point in time. So it's really twofold. But it has to start with finishing 24 off.
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a
2: member FDSE.
1: And so what are the short-term, the, the, the short-term sort of crossroads that they're at? Number one, holding on to your commits. Notre Dame has had a commit in the 24 class, a decommitment in the 24 class. That was from Owen Waifel. Uh, they've had two, actually. Brandon Davis-Swain was also someone who decommitted, but I think they've made up for that one. They've, they've got players just as good, if not better, uh, than, than Brandon. Who's, who's a good football player? Don't, don't get me wrong. Owen Waifel, we'll find out if they can have that. So they've had a couple decommitments. I don't know that the Notre Dame coaching staff is really shooken up about either one of those. Uh, Brandon Davis Swain's situation was different than Owen Wafels. Obviously, Owen Waifles is a guy that I don't think they wanted in the class anymore. Brandon Davis Swain is a guy that when he left the class, I don't think they were upset about it for a host of reasons. So I don't I don't view those two decommitments as sort of impact decommitments. A big key moving forward in this 24 class is you cannot lose guys like you did last year. They've got to hold the 19 kids they have in the class right now together. Now you have to build on it, you have to finish this class off strong. But you can't have situations where you lose a Keon Keeley, you lose a Dylan Edwards, you lose a Peyton Bowen, you lose a Brandon Hillman. Now they lost all those guys for different reasons, but the fact is, is they lost those guys. And those are the kind of guys that you'd like to have, especially Keeley, Bowen, and Hillman. So now Notre Dame enters in a situation where they have to keep this class together. They have to keep the ends that they currently have in to, in the class. They can't afford to lose any of them. You can't afford to lose a Leonard Moore. You, and I'm not saying any of these guys are are, are, are concerns about leaving. I, I don't know of a single kid in this class right now that I'm worried about decommitting. But there was a long time I wasn't worried about Keon Keeley decommitting. I, I, I wasn't concerned about Brandon Hillman decommitting because he didn't. He was going to come, but circumstances were such that they lost him. They have to avoid those. They have to make sure that they keep these 19 kids in the class. That's step one. Step two is you've got to finish strong. And at some positions, it's just about capping off, you know, your your class the right way. And others, it's your class is going to ultimately be defined. Your position group is going to be defined by this. And then part of the short and long-term evaluation is you have to go out there and and be willing to make tough decisions as a coach. And sometimes it's, hey, I got this guy on my staff. That I love him. He's a great guy. I have faith in him. I think he can do this really well, but he's not getting the job done from a recruiting standpoint. And one of the mistakes that head coaches can make is it's, it's really two. It's one mistake, but it can be done done in two two ways. It can be an error mistake in two ways. One is you're just not willing to fire a guy, period. And number two is you end up moving on from a guy, but it's too late. And so I think that's the evaluation that coach Freeman needs to be having primarily with his defensive staff right now is figuring that answer out. And the, the, and the finish in 2024 is going to determine that in a lot of ways. And so Notre Dame is in a very unique crossroad in this regard from the recruiting standpoint, and we're going to begin with the defensive line. You obviously, you're not going to get Elijah rushing the, you had your chance this weekend to make that move. I don't fault the Notre Dame coaching staff for why the visit didn't go the way that they had hoped at all. I think they put their best foot forward with Elijah Rushing. You win some, you lose some. That's how I chalk it up, that one up. That's always going to happen. Bama's going to lose some of guys. Ohio State's going to have losses. Clemson's going to have losses. Georgia's going to have losses. You win some, you lose some. And the reason that they're going to lose Elijah Rushing, to me, is not something that there's not a lot you can do about that. So now you're in a situation where you've Basically, your entire defensive line class is going to be defined by what you do with Justin Scott. I, I love the defensive end class. Elijah Rushing is a really talented player, but he was icing on the cake. We talked about this. They've. Are, I love Logan Thomas and Cole Mullins and Bryce Young as a, as a three-man group. I love that group. I think Cole Mullins is one of the most underrated players in college football or in high school football. I think he's a top 150 guy that borders on being a top 100 guy, and the only reason he borders is because I still have – I just haven't seen him play defensive end as much because he plays middle linebacker at 6'4", 240. When you look at Logan Thomas, he's got all the talent in the world. He's just got to fill out and you know do some things. But the upside is there. They're very talented players. And then you look at Sean Silviano. I've made my opinion known about him. I think that what the, the, the coaching staff is sold on him, and I hope that they're right. But they needed beef. They wanted beef, and they got beef in Sean Silviano, who, by the way, I loved the the picture he put out of his family and I went back and looked at his Instagram page because you know try to find some photos used for stories and he has his little sister I think it's his, his little sister in air, almost every school he went to that he did a photo shoot he would bring his little sister into the photos and I just think that's really cool I don't I don't know why and it doesn't have anything to do with him being a football player but I just think that's really cool but uh, you know, so so he's a guy that you look at and say okay he met a need at the end of the day this class is going to be determined defined by what what they do uh, from the standpoint of filling with just filling out with just, Justin Scott so here's where things are right now Miami and Georgia the southern schools are battling for him Michigan's the northern school that's battling for him i think Notre Dame is, has been kind of back and forth with him they're trying now to get him i don't know who he's going to commit to this summer if he does but if you're Notre Dame you stay in the fight till the very end I'm probably more optimistic today than I was two weeks ago about getting Justin Scott, but it's a long, long way to go, a long, long way to go. And, and so, but at the end of the day, you got to get it done. There's just no excuse to not get that done. If you don't get that done, you have to start seriously asking yourself the question of, do we have someone recruiting the defensive line that's good enough to recruit at an elite level? And, and here's why this matters because You have to hold the defensive line coach and the offensive line coach to a different standard than you do everyone else. Why? Because the head football coach has said that we are going to be a line-driven program. That means if you're going to be competing for national championships, it's because of your lines. You can't do that if you're not recruiting at an elite level. Now, to me, recruiting at an elite level does not mean you're getting a bunch of five-star players. You all know my stance on that. Give me five-star talent. I don't care where they're ranked. Right. To me, Logan Thomas, Cole Mullins. If you give me two a Logan Thomas and a Cole Mullins in every single class moving forward, defensive end is going to be loaded. Right. But you have not been able to recruit very well in the interior. You got Devin Houston last year's the only true interior player. This year, Sean Sevillano Sean is your only true interior player. Now, maybe some ends can grow into there, but you don't have a lot of pure interior players. I think Al Golden, Al Washington has proven he can recruit the defense the edge player to a, to a, a quality degree but can you go out and really get the best of the best that are out there, especially ones in your backyard? And if you can't get Justin Scott, then you have to ask yourself serious questions about that. On the flip side, again, because the crossroads, what? One of two directions. The flip side of that is if Al Washington can kind of overcome some early blunders to get Justin Scott, it means he will have to put some work in. Now, it's not going to be just him. Marcus Freeman's part of that. Chad Bowden's part of that. They've had a big role in really bringing Notre Dame back into this. But if at the end of the day, if it's going to be a, a, a sealed deal, it's not going to be because of Marcus Freeman, Chad Bowden. It's got to be because of Al Washington. If he gets Justin Scott, when it's all said and done, then you start to say, okay, now he's answered that challenge. First full cycle if some ups and downs. That's going to be, that's how it's going to be. Don't care about that. It's what do you have that signs on the dotted line? That's what it's going to be. And so uh, that's, that's, that's where Notre Dame is at in this regard. So they have to get him. Linebacker is a similar situation. Notre Dame has recruited linebacker extremely well the last couple of seasons. But that was Marcus Freeman driving that. He's not driving linebacker recruiting anymore. It's now about Al Golden and, Al, and, and uh, Max Bulla, mainly Al Golden. Can he recruit the way you need to? Notre Dame, I'm fine with Notre Dame taking Teddy Rizek and Bodie Cahoon in this class. Totally fine with it. Uh, because of how well you recruited the last two years, the fact that it's not a great linebacker class, period, there are not a lot of guys to me that kind of bring the upside that those kids bring to the table. There's some. There's not a lot. And and so I'm, I'm good with that. But at some point in time, you got to go out and say, hey, look, we literally got beat on almost every top linebacker we went after if you can't get Kingston, Villiama, Asa. What it tells me is, hey, you're good at identifying these sleeper prospects like Boni Cahoon and Teddy Rizak, and I'm good with that. But you got your butt whooped by the big boys. You got your butt whooped by, you know, for Chris Cole. You got your butt whooped for uh Sammy Brown. Well, I didn't think they were gonna get it anyway, but you got your butt whooped there. You got your butt whooped for Chris Jones, you got your butt whooped in Aaron Childs, you got your butt whooped with Kingston Viliama Asa. If you can't land him, then then now then Marcus Freeman's gonna have to make some really Tough decisions when it comes to linebacker recruiting, and who's driving it, and and how it needs to go, because it's going to have to get better. Uh, and now, if you get Kingston, you can say, okay, number one, you get an assist to Al Washington, who's played a big role in that recruitment as well, and so that's a feather in his cap on top of if he can get Justin Scott. But you look at it and say, hey, look, here, here's where you're at. It's it's you you were able to in a in a down year at linebacker. You were able to get Kingston Villyama Asa and you were able to beat out USC and Ohio State to do it. You were able to get a guy like Bodie Cahoon, who you beat North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia Tech for. High upside kid, little raw, not hasn't played linebacker for a long time, but 6'3, 210, athletic, rangy, uh, brings a lot of talent to the table. And then you found this gem in Teddy Rizak out in Nebraska. You know, I don't know why other people don't offer don't offer. I don't care. I just go by what the film says. I look at the kid show up at the at the um at the official visit and he's like six, four and he's long, he's athletic. And and you say, okay, give me guys like that in a year where it's a down year, but you take away Kingston from the class. And all of a sudden it's a completely different outlook. And so I think it's a, that's the crossroads is finishing there. And then finally safety. (laughs) We're going to have a lot to say on the message board when the whole, when the whole safety recruiting is done, we're going to have a lot to say about how we got there good and bad. But you're in a situation where you've got Kennedy Erlacher in the class, good player, I like the ceiling, needs a lot of work, needs a lot of room for development. Then you have a situation where you have Bronte Johnson, who you've got to close on the next couple of weeks. And then if you are able to close on the next couple of weeks, then you're in a situation where now you've got to make sure you he stays on top of all the things so he doesn't become into a Brandon Hillman situation. From the work that he's put in so far, I don't think that's going to be the case. And Brandon's situation was unique, the things that led to to him. <clears throat> so I, I look at it and say, if you can get a Bronte Johnson, you're now going to be defined in this safety class by who you get as your third guy. Now, here's the deal. Al Washington is on his first full class in Notre Dame. And so if you don't get Justin Scott, you need to look at and say, hey, you're now entering a make-or-break year in the 25 class. I think Chris O'Leary's in it already. I think Chris O'Leary's now going in his third recruiting class. Second, for sure, full recruiting class. I actually think it's third. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out 2021 and how I feel about that one, or 2022. But here's the reality of it. You completely struck out at safety in 2022. You you landed two good football players last year, but you didn't meet your numbers needs, and you didn't have any really high, high, high-level players. Adon Schuler and Ben Minich are good football players. Those that, Those are very good additions. But when a year after you, you didn't get an impact guy or anybody, you needed a third guy just from a pure number standpoint. And you needed a, another third impact player. They didn't get it. Now you look at the 23 class and I, and I like Kennedy or 24 class and I like Kennedy Erlacher a lot, but he's a lower floor, higher ceiling guy. Bronte Johnson's a guy that I like a lot. If you can finish off with him, that's a really good step in the right direction. That third guy is going to determine how we view this class. Because if the third guy is more of a Kennedy Erlacher type of player, then it's, no, this isn't good enough. You're trying to win a championship. This isn't good enough. If your third guy can be a higher level player, then you're going to be good enough. And I'm very curious to see who they end up with. Uh, They passed on Paul Menke, and we'll we'll have some backstory on that. Things are not looking good right now for Oliver Miles. And so you're looking at a situation where Jalen McLean's already committed somewhere else. Davis Andrews is probably going to take a mission as of right now. That's the plan that he's going to take a mission. Maybe he changes his mind and that would solve a lot of problems, but okay. But I don't think it solves problems. If he's going to come in play as a freshman and then leave like a Kia. I still don't think that solves the problem. So you you go back to it and you get into a situation where you have to start determining if, if this is just going to be good enough to get the job done and say, Uh, you know, I I don't, I don't know who's out there. I don't know who they're going to get if they can't get Malcolm Ziegler, who's on campus this weekend. So unless they can pull a rabbit out of their hat, somehow you're, you're going to look at it and say, boy, I I don't know if this is just going to get it done. Now, Malcolm Ziegler, if you get Malcolm Ziegler, here's the interesting thing. So I know the staff wanted Oliver Miles and they made a push for him. And, and I, and I, I don't think as of right now, it's going to happen for Notre Dame. Sometimes, however, you can miss on a guy, and it ends up being better for you in the long run because you end up getting a better player. Right now, Notre Dame is trailing some other schools for Malcolm Ziggler. I think he likes the the kind of the East Coast schools. I think he's a better safety than anybody they have left on the board. Jalen McLean was my top guy. I don't count Davis Andrews as being on the board, although I'm by the way, for the record, I'm way higher on Davis Andrews than most people are. I think he's a top 150 player with a lot of talent. If he wasn't playing in Utah, people would view him a lot differently. So you, you have him that's not really on the board anymore as of right now. Dewan Lane's not on the board anymore. It, it, there's really not anybody on the board that, that, that I view as being a top guy. And, and I look at Malcolm Ziegler and say he's in the conversation for one of those top three spots at safety. Now, I think Bronte Johnson has as high of a ceiling as anybody on the board. But he, he's going to have to fill out and get stronger and all that kind of stuff. But he's got a lot of talent. Malcolm Ziegler, to me, also has a very high ceiling, but he has a higher floor. He's a corner in high school, and he's very fast. I think he's run like a 10-7, and he's like 6'2", plays mostly corner in high school, willing tackler, great long speed, a guy that, to me, projects even better to safety than he does corner. If you can finish with a guy like him, then safety recruiting is in a great spot. And you say, okay. Did Chris O'Leary step up and answer the bell? Yeah, he did. If you can't get Ziggler, because you're now in a spot where I don't know who's left, unless you can pull a rabbit out of your hat somehow, this is going to be a this is a, be a tough situation. And then who pulls the rabbit out of their hat? Is it Marcus Freeman? Is it Chad Bowden? Is it somebody else? And then you can say, well, hey, it worked out, but it didn't work out because of that guy. And then you have to make some tough decisions. So this is a make or break period for Chris O'Leary. He's almost kind of like the now or never version from a coaching standpoint. We could have talked about it there because to be a championship coach at a place like Notre Dame, you can't just be a good position coach. You have to be able to recruit, especially the skill positions. And that's where we're at. Now, part of this crossroads to me is Notre Dame is in a situation where the 22 class had some high-level players, but it had too many misses. You, you didn't get a top quarterback. You fell short of numbers at receiver. You completely whiffed at safety. You, you came up short numbers on the defensive line. Now, there were talented players in the class, and you had to then move linebackers to the defensive line. So now your number one-ranked linebacker class, in my opinion, is down two guys because you had to move them to the defensive line to somewhat ease the concerns you had there. I think Josh Burnham might have eventually moved there anyway. But I think part of the reason you had to move junior to Alamaka there is out of need. Not just because you thought it could play there, but out of need, and that's not where you want to be. Because now you've hurt yourself in another position because you don't have a guy that I thought could have been a really good middle linebacker in college and Junior Chialamaca there. So that they're in a, they're in a tough spot, in my opinion. They're in a really tough spot there uh, at, at linebacker. But you were able to recover it with a really good 2023 class, and so you look at 2024. We've had some conversations about it. But, you know, you, you were able to somewhat recover with 23. The 23 class was Notre Dame's best class in a long time, in my opinion, because of the balance. They didn't – you were a safety short of, of hitting all your needs uh, in the back end of the defense. You were a viper short of hitting a specific position need. You needed four linemen. They got four linemen. They just were missing a viper. You hit a home run on offense. You got a really talented top 100 caliber quarterback. You got one of the best running backs in, in high school football last year. Yeah, one of the best receiver classes in the country. You got arguably the best tight end in the country for what you were looking for in the class. Not the best tight end in the country, but arguably the best tight end in the country for what your need was in the class. You were looking for a traditional tight end, and I would argue that, that uh, last season Cooper Flanagan was one of the very best in the country at the things that they were looking for in the class. You got a top-five caliber offensive line class, You've got a very talented defensive line class with a you know low floor, high ceiling, but still four talented players. You had our, one of the best linebacker classes in the country, one of the best cornerback classes in the country. And even though you fell up short in your numbers at safety, the two guys you got are good football players. So there, it was a great top to bottom class. And that's what Notre Dame needs to do regularly. So part of this crossroads is finishing 24, but then also... Can you keep building momentum for 25? 24 as a national class to me is interesting. Notre Dame has talked a lot of, some of my sources I should say, have talked a lot about getting up to 25, 26 this year. And I've said, that's cool if you can get the right guys, but you better get the right guys. You talk about a Carter Nelson at tight end. All right, cool. Uh, This is important. You talk about uh, Elijah Rushing, Justin Scott, guys like that, that, You know, Elijah rushing is not a need. He's a want. That's cool. You got your second running back, but they have to, if they can finish strong with uh, the safety class, Justin Scott and a linebacker Carter Nelson, this is a great class in a year that wasn't a great year. And that's a bit of the concern. So when I look at it in that standpoint, that also is what makes this finish so important. If you can get Carter Nelson and Gearby Lambert on offense And you can get Justin Scott and Kingston Viliyama Asa and Bronte Johnson and a Malcolm Ziegler type of guy at safety. All of a sudden, you've met all your needs, and it's an outstanding top-five caliber class in my opinion. But then it's like, okay, did you have that nice back-to-back one-two? Or are you in a situation where you're now taking that step back? You know, you've lost that momentum. And this is kind of the point that I've talked about. And what I've always felt is when you look at the success Alabama had, for example, recruiting uh, back in 2008, Alabama w- was in a situation where, you know, th- they were really, you know, they they were in a situation where their first couple recruiting classes were good. They started to meet some needs, but they didn't really land like an elite class until their third class. The freshman class of 2009 was their first highly ranked class. But what happened was, is they started filling needs in their first two classes. Their 2007 class to me was very similar to what Notre Dame's first free class under Marcus Freeman was, which is the, the, to me that the 2023 class, or the, excuse me, their 2000, uh, yeah 2007 class was similar to, to what I view Marcus Freeman's first class. Uh, you look at their 2008 class, it's a really good class. They started adding some big time players. It wasn't quite, you know, sort of that elite, what we come to expect Alabama to be kind of class, but it was still really good. It was a class that added a lot of talent to that football team. Um, and so you look at the top, you know, you look at Julio Jones, they got in that class, Jerome Harris, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark Barron, Mark Ingram, who was a lower ranked guy. So it was a very good class. And that to me reminds me a lot of what Notre Dame's 2020 three class was and so that was kind of that began that real juggernaut of recruiting for Notre Dame for for Alabama and then you look at the 2009 class it was a highly ranked class you had Trent Richardson, Drake Kirkpatrick, Nico Johnson, DJ Fluker, AJ McCarron it was a great class but it was also a pretty good year nationally so Notre Dame's in a situation where I don't know that they're capable of landing that kind of class but it was what Alabama started stacking on top of it after the fact that really led to their uh, surgeons Because they uh, it, it wasn't like the, the classes that won their championships were not teams that were loaded with four straight top five classes. they like two, one or two, and they were all younger guys. Notre Dame is in a similar situation where they they've had a – if they finish the 24-year off the way that I hope that they will, You've got two really dynamic back-to-back top five classes. Now it's about building. And so this staff has to be able to build on the 25 situation as well. The interesting thing about the 25 classes is there's a unique build there between the players that are local and can you really clean up in Chicago? I've had people say, you know, like, you know, you should maybe take Marquise Lightfoot to help you with the Chicago next year. No, you don't need to do that. Marquise Lightfoot is not a player that Notre Dame coaching staff believes is as good as the guys that they have. Uh, in, in the class already. And I agree with them. So you don't make the push for him. Uh, I'm 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 good with that. But you've got to next year with the Christopher Burgesses, the taylor Taylors, the Nathan, Nathaniel Marshalls, you got to clean up in Chicago. You've got to be able to go down and get some kids in from regions that you're that you you're having some success now. Continue certain pipelines. So we have seen teams kind of recruit well early and then not build on it. And that's what the 25 class is. And I think the momentum that they get finishing 24 combined with the season they're going to have is going to play a role, but they've got to lay that foundation. Now they've got to lay that foundation of, of the relationships they're building with these kids now. And I, and I think that the fact that they're bored is so small allows them to kind of spend more time on that. But I think that's where Notre Dame is at. We're going to learn a lot about Justin, about, about Washington We're gonna learn a lot about Joe Rudolph. We're gonna learn a lot about Chris O'Leary and their ability and, and Al Golden and their ability to be, can you be part of a championship program from a recruiting standpoint over this next month to six to eight months? And their ability to not only close in 24, but also put themselves in strong positions in the 2025 class. That's something that Marcus Freeman did as the defensive coordinator and then the head coach. That's something that the some of the coaches that have left have done. And so now it's about can this current group do that, and if they can, then the juggernaut that we think Notre Dame can be will be, will be. It, it'll we'll see it. If they can't, then Notre Dame is going to be a lot like what they were under Brian Kelly—pretty good, but not good enough. And that's the crossroads Notre Dame is at from a recruiting standpoint.